today we are uh, continuing with our series. If you are here last Sunday, Pastor Nomer preached on the start of the book of James, right? The book of James. So we started with why it was written, who, who wrote it, what the context was, and then we are going to do this for the next three months. So it's a short book, but we are really digging into the passage, uh, just a few verses every Sunday, and understanding what, uh, what it means and how it applies to us as well. So one thing that Pastor Nomer mentioned last Sunday is that you know, the gist of the message of verses 1 to 4 is that we can still experience joy even through adversities, right? That we can still experience joy even if we are going through difficult times. And the critical word there is, if you can remember, if you are here, uh, just a quick review. Ano yun? Ano yung persevere? Ano yung Greek word? Hopomeno. Hopomeno. To just persevere through difficult times. Personally, I think it's really just appropriate. It's very timely that we are doing uh, a series on the book of James because if I just if I just observe the emotional, mental, uh, spiritual climate that we have in our society, it's kind of like this weather, you know, very gloomy, very not so not so happy, not so encouraging. Especially if you just this week you've heard about two suicide cases, right? You've heard about Kate Spade. If you don't know, yeah, it happened this week. This week, right? And then you've heard about Anthony Bourdain. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not familiar with Kate Spade. Maybe my wife is familiar with Kate Spade. But I'm, 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 so, I'm so drawn to Anthony Bourdain. And I feel it's such a loss for, for him to, for that to happen to him. Um, so I, I love his honesty, his approach to, to, you know, he just gives to you as it is. And I love that he loves Jollibee, right? He, he loves Jollibee. So it's sad for me to hear these stories about, you know, suicide cases. But it's even more alarming that suicide cases and stories are just increasing at an alarming rate. Do you notice that? They're, it's just increasing at an alarming rate. And, you know, some hit the media spotlight. You hear them in the news. But there are countless more that we do not hear. Countless more that we do not hear. Even more, you know, even more so, maybe some people will not, they are going through the same thing that Kate Spade and maybe Anthony Bourdain are, uh, were experiencing, but they will not resort to self-harm. But it's just go- an ongoing battle against depression, anxiety. It's so common that I thought, you know, maybe a few years back, I would say, Hey, that's not, that's not depression. That's not anxiety. You just need sleep. But you know what? It's, it's very real. I think you, you know one friend or a friend of a friend who are experiencing those difficult times. And, you know, I believe it's appropriate for us to, you know, as a church to address it and address it with the gospel. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, last Sunday, we talked about experiencing joy through the midst of adversity. But today, we will see how the book of James presents a unique tool to face trials. When you experience trials, maybe you pray one of two things. Number one, you will pray, Lord, give me the strength to go through this pain. Lord, give me the strength to overcome this uh, struggle, right? You will pray that. Or, if you're just, if it's just too difficult for you, you will say, Lord, please take this pain away. Right? But James here, as we will see in, in uh, verse 5 to 8, is that he will present an unlikely tool that sometimes we do not ask from the Lord, and that is wisdom. So today, I'm going to expound on what it means to lean on godly wisdom as we face trials. So let me share with you just three things, what it means to lean on 
godly wisdom to face trials. So please open your Bibles to the book of James. We are still in chapter 1, and we are going to focus on verses 5 to 8. 5 to 8. I will not read it because it's going to be on screen. You can uh, open your Bibles there as well. So three things on how we can lean on godly wisdom to face trials. So if you're ready, let's proceed. Well, the first thing to lean on godly wisdom is to recognize our need for it. We need to recognize that that is something that we need. James starts this passage saying, if any of you lacks wisdom. In, a, in another translation, if any of you is deficient with wisdom. So, ano, ano sa Tagalog yun? Kapag ikaw ay walang, walang karunungan? Hindi, hindi karunungan. Pwedeng kaalaman. It's, it's more than knowledge, it's wisdom. If you are lacking, and that's something that we need to understand, we are lacking something. You know, this is very important because when we suffer, when we suffer, we, we go to these, you know, dark places and we resort to various things just to cope with our situation. And what we will see, uh, you know, in, in the Bible is that godly wisdom is understanding the purposes of God in your life. Godly wisdom is understanding that he has plans for your life, Jeremiah 29:11. But when we are burdened with these trials, we are so you know our judgment to do what is right is clouded, right? Our judgment to do what is right is clouded by self-preservation. It's clouded by self-preservation. Sige. How many of you, how many of us here you would say, when you are going through difficult times, you would say, I will do the wrong thing. You would say, I will, you will do the wrong thing? I mean, yes. <laughs> so yeah, let, let me rephrase. If you, are, if you are going through difficult times, in your heart, you still would love to do the right thing. You would, you would want to do the right thing. But it's still so difficult, Right? Why are we, even if we like to do the right thing, bakit para ang hirap pa rin niyang gawin, you know? Gusto kong bumait, pero di ko magawa. You know, that's, that's the reason why, that's the reason why, you know, we need to recognize, most especially, when we are going through difficult times, we need insight from God. Because even if we know how to do the right thing, we know what to do, we just have, we don't have that insight from God to execute it. We need it. We need, we need godly wisdom. And you will always see this as you read through the book of James. There is always a parallel between James and the Proverbs. That's why, you know, James is considered as the Proverbs of the New Testament. You know, the writer of Proverbs says in uh, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, Get wisdom. Get wisdom, not get solutions, not get information, get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn back on wisdom for she will, she will protect you. Love her, love wisdom, and she will, she will guard you. That's the beauty of understanding the need of wisdom because we know that it has the value to protect us or to guard us. And I'd like to, I'd like to emphasize this. I'm just going to push the pedal a little bit. I, I want to differentiate what it means to understand and ask for godly wisdom as opposed to earthly wisdom. There's always earthly wisdom but what we are seeking is godly wisdom. Let me differentiate it in two ways. Number one is earthly wisdom will always say, put yourself first. Here's an example. If you are going through difficult times with your job or with your school, uh, you know, your, your professor or your boss is just giving you a hard time, 
You know, earthly wisdom will say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just leave that job. Take the, cut the class, you know. Just, the, just cheat on it. Something like that. You are going to choose self-preservation because it doesn't have any value for you. But godly wisdom will say, do what pleases God. So, godly wisdom will not say, I'm not saying, you know, quitting your job or, you know, taking a rest from, from that class is, is a bad thing or a good thing. What I'm saying is the motivation is different. If, if you are going to quit your job, will it please God more? If you are going to stay in your job, will it bring glory to Him? If you are going to uh, move on to another, you know, another class or another job, what will bring glory to God the most? That's the difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. Earthly wisdom will say, you know, I need to protect myself. I need to protect my value. I, I have self-worth and I will preserve it. Here's another thing. Earthly wisdom is all about instant fix. Instant fix. And we know this. We we live in an instant society, right? But godly wisdom is about eternal significance. It's about eternal significance. Here's another example. Um, well, breadcom people are law-abiding citizens, so let's just say it's me. <laughs> so I, I, I ran the red light. The police officer comes over and says, Give me your license. And I will say, Boss, pwede bang ayusin na lang natin to? Bakit? That's an instant fix. It will be wiser for me to deal with this police officer as opposed to going, going all the way to MMDA or, or LTO, uh, spend gas, money, and time, and energy just to retrieve my license again. It's wiser, it's more efficient to do it that way. But godly wisdom will say no. Do the right thing. Because it has eternal significance. So, we, I need, we need to differentiate that. You know, earthly wisdom is not essentially a bad thing. Okay, let me just say that. Because God will give us wisdom on the common things that we can do. No, common, common sense is really a gift from God. Maybe not many people are gifted with that, but, but yes, it's, it's, let's ask from God for common sense. But yeah, God can use that as well. So just keep that in mind because I'm going to use uh, godly wisdom over and over as we move on to this uh, message. And one more reason why we need, it's important that we recognize our need for godly wisdom because it will help us stay away from over-analysis. It will help us stay away from over-analysis. You know, as human beings, we love that. We love analyzing everything. You know, I know someone, I know someone uh, many, many years ago na ito, ha? many, many years ago. So don't judge the guy. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to mention the name. Um, his girlfriend broke up with him. Okay, His girlfriend broke up with him. And week after week after week, he's just talking to me and says, what did I do wrong? He's just reliving moments after moment after moment, just saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I was a good boyfriend. I was very creative with my gifts. I remember birthdays, anniversaries, monthsaries. I remember the places we, we went through we went to. I I remember those things and I put her, you know, I put her first and then my friends. What did I do wrong? And this went on from months. He's just analyzing what happened. It happened for, you know, three whole months. So, pasok pa dun sa three-month rule. Ng, yeah. But it's just, it's, it's an ongoing thing because we want to overanalyze. 
you know, recently just N- NBA Finals just concluded, right? That every single game, every single game, you open your Facebook and everyone is an instant analyst. How LeBron James is not aggressive enough, how, you know, Stephen Curry should have been MVP and stuff like that. We are so enjoying overanalyzing. You open a, you know, you comment something on your Facebook post and just look at how the comment section will have its own life, right? The comment section, I love, I love watching comment section, I reading comment section because it has a life of its own. It's sometimes, it's, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's sad. Asking for and, and recognizing our need for godly wisdom will, will stop us, will prevent us from, from doing that because, you know, over-analysis can lead to different things. It can lead to the blame game. Now, if you're so analyzing everything, you can pinpoint it's, it's his fault, it's her fault, this, should have, should, this shouldn't have happened, kung ginawa niya to, and, and things like that. And the blame game becomes a victim mentality. These things happened to me because of them, and so I, so poor me. And then so you feel like you're a victim, and then you lash out. Or what's even worse, we are so overanalyzing everything that it leads to paralysis. We have that term, analysis paralysis. You don't do anything. You don't want to do anything anymore. You cannot think because you are paralyzed with overanalyzing everything. That's when you need godly wisdom. Let me give a biblical example. I've been talking about NBA. You know, at one point or another, you know that I will mention NBA in one of the sermons. But let's go to the Bible. How many of you have read the book of Job? You know, you you read the book of Job from, you know, chapter 1 until the end. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Good for you because it was difficult for me. <laughs> Honestly, it was difficult for me because it was 40 plus chapters of overanalyzing, right? You have first few chapters of, you know, uh, setting up the story, but then when when Job was suffering, he had friends that's just overanalyzing the situation. Kaya nangyari yan sa'yo, the reason why that happened to you because of this, because of this, and you're not doing this, and you're not doing this. You should do this. It's just like that. We love friends like that, right? I'm kidding. We don't want friends like that. We want friends who are, you know, giving it to us straight. But towards the end of the book, with all these over-analyzing, what did God say to Job? What did God say to Job? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Even in the end, Job did not understand why he is suffering, and then he just said, Lord, I am at a loss. I am at your mercy. I need you. We need godly wisdom, not because we want to ultimately understand the big picture. Right? We, we, we have that desire to understand what is going on. We want to see the big picture. Lord, I will follow you if I understand the bigger plan, uh, your plan for my life. If I see the from point A to point Z, if I know all those things, I will follow you. We want, we want to have that big picture in mind. But we need godly wisdom because it will help us understand that even if you do not have a grasp of the big picture, you know that someone is behind that big picture. Someone big enough that holds the picture together. Someone big enough that plants everything together for your good and for His glory. That's godly wisdom. That even if we do not have a grasp of the bigger picture or the plans of the Lord in your life, you will say, I still know that you hold that plan in your hands. And because of that, I trust you. 
So number one, we need to recognize, we recognize our need for godly wisdom. Because, you know, it, it reveals, as we have talked about, it reveals our state of brokenness, our human tendencies. It's, it reveals our sinful nature. It reveals our human limitations. But most importantly, when we recognize our need for godly wisdom, it leads us to ask help. It leads us to seek help. And the good news is that James calls us to go directly to the source. And this is our second point. We don't only recognize our need for godly wisdom, we go to the source. We call on Him. So again, in verse 5, uh, James sets it up, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. That's so direct, right? Let him ask God. He did not say, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, maybe read five books of Tim Keller. Maybe try to uh, download podcasts of John Piper. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God. He is the source of godly wisdom. Why? Because he gives generously to, to all. To all without reproach and it will be given to him. Question. Let's just reflect for a bit. What's stopping us? What's stopping us from asking God for wisdom? What's stopping us from asking God for wisdom? Maybe because of our bad experience. Maybe because we ask help from people and then we felt like we did not even get help at all. Napagalitan pa tayo. How many of you remember that sitcom, John and Marsha? I'm talking to my peeps now. So, mga Pinoy. John and Marsha, right? John and Marsha for the millennials here. It's a sitcom in the 1970s about this comedian, greatest comedian, greatest Filipino comedian ever, si Dolphy. And then he has his uh, wife, Marsha Nida Blanca, correct? Okay. So they have a really loving relationship, but you know, John is not so, not so well off. But Marsha is a, you know, came from a rich family. And Marsha has a, a mom. Do you remember her name? Donya, Donya Delilah. Yeah, Donya Delilah. So um, it's always nice, you know, it's always sets up. There's always an in-law in a comedy. <laughs> There's always an in-law. I love my mother-in-law, for the record. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> But every time, you know, every time that they have a problem, John and Marsha, they have a problem, or they visit the mother-in-law and they ask for help. Do you remember what Donya Delilah will always say? Ano? Kaya Jan, ikaw magsumikap ka. Just imagine hearing that every single day. Would you even ask help? You know, sometimes we, we have this difficulty to ask from God because, number one, we think we might be asking for too much. I might be asking too much, Lord. Or we are afraid to ask because He might look into my track record. Or if I ask something, He will give it, but I will hear from Him. Sometimes we are recipients of that or sometimes we are the giver of that. You know, someone help, tries to ask help from us. Sasabihin natin, kasi ikaw eh, dapat hindi mo na ginawa yan eh. Dapat itong ginawa mo, ito ng pera, ito ng 1,000. Sige, pautangin na muna kita. Pero, alam ko ngayon. It's just, because of that experiences, it's difficult to go directly to the source. You know, some of us have been wounded in the past because when we ask help, 
you know, our trust was betrayed or natulungan pero nasabon or hindi ka tinulungan at all. You know, that's, that's the sad reality. But the good news that we see here in this passage is that when we go directly to the source, we are seeing a generous God. He is a generous God. And when He gives, He is not looking at our track record. He is not condescending in His giving generously. And so essentially what this means for, for Christians is that if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, God does not see your track record. God sees His Son in you. And His Son pleases Him in every single way. And so when the, God the Father sees His Son who pleases Him in every way, He will give, you, he, he will give anything to you generously. If you are in Christ. Again, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 says, Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then, then, this is the result, you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And then you will gain godly wisdom. For the Lord, for the Lord grants wisdom. It's coming from Him. He is the source. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Let me just uh, give a quick commentary on this because you will see this in the book of Proverbs about fearing the Lord and wisdom. It will always say, and I hear this always with my mom, to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean when we fear the Lord? This is not fear like, you know, a horror flick. This is not fear like you're afraid that you will get caught. This is reverential fear connected with worship. And this is what we need in our society today. You know, more and more people are fearing the Lord less lately, right? Let me paraphrase that. Less and less people fear the Lord now. Less and less people fear the Lord now. And as the fear of the Lord decreases, fear of other things increase. Do you notice that? We have so many phobias now. Do you notice that we, we fear failure now? People are afraid to be, to be authentic when they face people. Because they are afraid that when, they, when people see our weakness, we will not be accepted. When the fear of the Lord decreases, fear of other things, fear of man, fear of, fear of failure, fear of other things increase. And so, to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we really need to pray that this is something that we cultivate in our, in our families, in our church. Now, I love this uh, passage, Jeremiah 3.33. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and show you unsearchable things. That's His promise. That's His promise. You know, this is the, this is the disadvantage of you know, brilliant people, intelligent people, geniuses who don't have a relationship with the Lord. They will continue to seek wisdom. They will continue to seek understanding how the world works. They will give new discoveries. They will invent new things. But if they don't have a relationship with the Lord, they are not seeking the source of wisdom. And their, their pursuit is going to be empty. Our pursuit is going to be empty if we are not seeking the source of godly wisdom. So I, I love this in a passage in uh, Psalm 86, verse 7. In the day of my trouble, since we're talking about trials, I will call upon you 
for you will answer me. That's his assurance. I will call upon you, for you will answer me. So number two, let us call on the source of godly wisdom. The last. So, yes, we recognize our need for godly wisdom, and then we call on him as the source of godly wisdom. What do we do next? If we call on him, uh, James gives us a specific instruction based on that instruction. Okay? It's instruction 1.1. This is you know, a specific instruction on the manner by which we ask God for wisdom. Ano yun? This is our third and final point. We don't only call on God, call on the source, we also depend on Him. Depend on the giver of godly wisdom. So verse 6 says, So when you ask, this is how you ask. Let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven toss, driven and tossed by the wind. What does it look like to be a wave being tossed to and fro by the wind? Is it fun? Will it be stable? But let's look, let's look at the positive side. What does it look like when we depend on the giver of godly wisdom? What does it look like when we ask him and we expect something from him? What does it look like? Let me give a, uh, an example in, in the Psalms. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. That is not a typo. That you, that's what you will see in Psalm 130 because this is a song. What is this psalm saying? I, I think I mentioned this many years ago, but you know, you know in, in ancient times, they have watchmen at the tower, right? Yung watchmen na yon is, um, is assigned to guard a specific area, especially in the evening. Why? Because there is no electricity, there is no light. He is guarding that specific post to make sure that they will not be attacked in the night, to make sure that if they have guests or if they have royalty coming in, they will open the gate. So you need to be very attentive, you need to be very focused in the evening. How many of you can stay the night very attentive, especially those who, who had recently had babies? <laughs> I, I work a few years um, in graveyard shift, like starts in 9 in the evening until 5 a.m. I never got used to it. At 5 a.m. before, you know, before the morning breaks, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I, I am so done. But what this psalmist is saying, you know, the, the kind of me waiting for the Lord is, is this. I know that the morning will come. I know that morning will come. And until that comes, I will wait for the Lord. I will hope in Him. You are expecting that the morning will break. And when the morning breaks, I know I am safe. That's what it means to ask the Lord in faith and to depend on Him. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Here's some more direct uh, command. We know this. We, we recite this. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7 says, Trust in the Lord with... Let's say that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, you acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. So we do not normally include this, but it's important to be reminded, be not wise in your own eyes. 
Ano sa Tagalog to? Yung earthly wisdom, wise. Yan, di ba? Wise. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What does it mean? What does it look like to depend on the giver, to de- lean on the Lord? Let me illustrate. Everybody sees this uh, music stand. What if I put my full weight on this? What do you think will happen? <laughs> I'm going to break my neck. <laughs> what do you think will happen? Do you think this music stand, this pulpit, can carry my, my full weight? Why do you say so? Do you want to find out? <laughs> So for this not to fall down, what will I do? I will not put my full weight on it, right? I will not put my full weight on it. And if I'm doing this for maybe an hour, an hour 30, two hours, what will, what will my neck and my arms will feel? It's going to be stiff, right? It's going to be in pain. That's what's happening when we are leaning on our own strength, on our own understanding. We are exerting too much effort and it's causing us a lot of pain. Because we are not sure if this can carry our full weight. But we know that someone can carry our full weight and we can depend on him. We need that faith to put our full weight on the one that we can depend on to give us godly wisdom. Pastor, you might be saying that because you're a man of faith or you, your faith has been exercised for many, for many years so your faith is maybe strong, stronger than I am so I'm not like you. So let me ask, let me Return the question, what kind of faith do you need? How big of a faith do you need to depend on the giver of godly wisdom? Do you need a supersized faith? You know, we see that. You know, we see that in the Gospels. Even the apostles said, Lord, what we need is to have an increase in faith. You know what Jesus said? If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed. Have you seen a grain of a mustard seed? You will not even see it here like this. If you close your your fingers like that, you will not even see it. If you have faith, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree or in another gospel, uh, you can say on this mountain, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Wow. Wow. What is Jesus saying here? I would love to see this happen, actually. I would love to see this happen. But don't do that today. (laughs) Don't do that today. But I would love to see that happen. What is Jesus saying here? Let Let me just say what I think. You know, the issue is not the quantity of your faith or the size of your faith. The issue is the object of your faith. To whom are you putting your faith on? So if I paraphrase this very loosely, what Jesus is saying, even if your faith is small, but your faith is on me, I can carry you. Even if your faith is small, but it is on me, not on your strength, not on, your, not on your education, not on your relationship, not on your money. If your faith is on me, it is enough. Brothers and sisters, are we depending on Jesus? Or are we depending on our own strength to get out of a difficult situation? 
And we end with our story in our passage, in our epistle, with a warning from James, verse 7, verse 8. He gives this warning on depending on our own understanding. James says in verse 7, For that person, that person who asks but doubts, must not suppose that he will receive anything. That's the warning. He will not receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Is he talking about split personality? Is he talking about you know, bipolar? Is he talking about you know, other things? I don't know. But this is the warning here. If, if this is happening in your heart, the warning, James says, is that you will not receive anything. He is a double-minded man. Let me lighten up the illustration a little bit. I'm pushing too much. Let me lighten it up a little bit. How many of you know this guy? Of course, he's Iron Man. Soon to be Iron Man. Mm? <laughs> How does Peter Parker, as Spider-Man, move from one point to another? How does he move from one point to another? Web. And then, he swings. But then... He shoots another web, right? And then he swings again, and then he shoots another web, and then he swings again. What will happen if Peter Parker will do this? Shoots the web, swings, shoots the web, but not let go. What do you think will happen? He will not go anywhere. So what James is saying, the reason why you will not receive anything is because you are not going anywhere with doubting God. You will not go anywhere. This is what it means in, in, you know, in real life scenario. You will, we will say that you know, Christ is enough for me, that He will provide for my needs. But if he doesn't, let me just try my luck in Lotto. I know that God will satisfy my desires. He will satisfy my, my longing. But I need to have a temporary pleasure. I will find it in social media. I will find it in watching explicit videos. I will... I will find pleasure in, in substance abuse. And then you're here. We are here in the middle. And James' warning is that you will not receive anything. I love you guys. I love you, church. The, but the bottom line here is the issue of the heart. The issue of the heart. Where is our heart leaning towards? We are not leaning towards God because we are not sure if He is really enough. The pleasures of the world is just too much to attract us. And so that's why we, we are in the middle. And when that happens, it will be difficult for us to get through our troubles, our times of trials. But let me give you an encouragement on why we can completely lean on God even in moments of our trial. Jesus says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. You know, here on earth, this is a guarantee from Jesus himself. You will have many trials and sorrows. You are not exempted from these things. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. 
if we are always here and our heart will always be like that because our heart is deceitful, we are longing for these things, we want to pursue God, what will tip the, the scale is knowing that Jesus has overcome. If Jesus has overcome, we, complete, we can completely depend on Him, even through our troubled times. We can put our full weight on Him because He can carry it. Now, I was, as I was uh, studying this passage, one song just for me encapsulates maybe my heart um, and maybe the message of this passage. Uh, Bill Withers in 1972 wrote a song, Lean On Me. You know this song? You know this song? It's, it's awesome. It's really awesome. Now, sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. The chorus says, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need, I'm also going to need somebody to lean on. Uh, We don't hear this too much, but there's a verse there that says, a part of the chorus, please swallow your pride if I have things you need to borrow for no one can fill those of your need that you won't let show. Just call on me, brother. When you need a hand, we all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. If there is a load that you have to bear that you can't carry, I'm right up the road. I'll share your load. Now, in in a season where people are experiencing so much depression, sadness, we need someone to lean on. And we need that to to be this community, that we know that we can lean on each other. That we can be that help that we can get in times of trouble. But you know what? There will be times that even all of us will not be dependent people to lean on. But we can call on Jesus and we can lean on Him completely. We can put our load on Him completely and He will carry it. Jesus says, and this is his invitation in Matthew 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Are you tired? Are you burned out? Are you carrying a heavy load? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Rest on me. Lean on me and I will give you rest. Walk with me and learn from me and you will know how to live freely. And lightly. Let me just end. We are talking about leaning on godly wisdom. But since we know that Jesus has overcome, what I'm saying is, if we lean on Jesus, if we, if we put our full weight on Him, if we allow Him to carry our full weight, That's all about leaning on godly wisdom because Jesus is wisdom personified. 1 Corinthians 1, 24-25 says, and I'm using the paraphrase in the message, but to us who are personally called by God himself, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's ultimate miracle and wisdom all wrapped in one. That's exactly what we need in times of trouble. We need a miracle and we need wisdom. And we can find that in Jesus. All we need is to lean on Him. Human wisdom is so tiny, so impotent next to seemingly absurdity of God. Human strength can even begin to compete with God's weakness. If you want to lean on godly wisdom, brothers and sisters, you can lean on Jesus because He can carry your full weight. You know why? 
because He carried everything on the cross. He carried all the weight of sin of the world on the cross so we can live freely and lightly. Let's just all depend on Him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we are reminded that even in in difficult times, what we are lacking is godly wisdom. And so recognizing this need, Lord, we are directly going to you. We are asking you, Lord God, to grant us the wisdom so that we can go through, we can face these trials with joy and persevere. Lord, we are not only asking you and calling on you, we are depending on you. We are waiting for you. We are assured, Lord God, by faith that as we have called on you, the source of godly wisdom, that we can also completely depend on you. Lord, forgive us in the many times that we have leaned on our own understanding. Forgive us, Lord God, because it has caused us a lot of pain. It caused us a lot of hurt when we tried to work on things on our own strength. But allow us to completely surrender and lean on you. Lord, I pray that you will grant us the grace to approach you confidently, humbly, and boldly because in you, we can find strength in times of trouble. We can find grace in times of need. And I pray, Lord God, even for families who are going through tough times, we also pray, Lord God, for for individuals who will will not even mention that they are going through difficult depression or anxiety. Lord God, I pray that as you grant this church wisdom on how to address that, I pray, Lord, also that you will grant a specific person with the wisdom that's coming from you. Wisdom, Lord God, that points to you as someone who can carry all these weight, all these baggages, so we can live freely and lightly. We thank you, Lord God, for for the gift of wisdom that's coming from you. And I pray, Lord God, that as we seek you, as we pursue godly wisdom, it will lead us to put our faith in you, to trust in you, and to have a reverential awe and worship and fear of God. For your glory's sake, this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.